My name's JD, if we haven't met before. I'm one of the pastors of North City that hosts this community dinner. And one of the things we love to do uh, is linger around our tables, uh, share a story from Jesus's life. And uh, we really do this to set up conversation around your tables. Uh, no pressure in the conversation, but a conversation about what difference Jesus's life might make in your life. So we tell stories of Jesus because that's what this community's focused on. Our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus. We look at Jesus not uh, only as a good leader, but a savior in our life who's made a huge difference, like the difference in all of our lives, which is why we, we come together and uh, meet in this way, because this is how he loved others around him. This is an expression of who he was. So we were like, why not let this be an expression of who we are? Uh, so I of course, prompted the community time question. I was out of the room, so I don't know. Sometimes it gets lost in translation when Krishnan asks me to say a certain community question, and sometimes it happens the other way around. So was it about words that you've learned recently? Is that, okay, good, success. What are some words that you've learned recently, if they're appropriate for the general audience? Dan. No way. I had no idea. I could, go, I, I could go on with it. I'm so fascinated by this, but I, I could go on for like the next 15 minutes and we could just save this Jesus story for next week. That's great. Uh, I, I um, occasionally find myself scrolling on Instagram and the, the reels on Facebook, and I encountered one that uh, gave me delight because I love the movie um, The Princess Bride. Anybody else fans of The Princess Bride? And uh, I heard an audio clip from that movie resurfacing in these uh, reels or these memes. And it was uh, a guy from that movie saying, you keep saying that word. I do not think you know what that word means or so, some variation of that. And uh, <laughs> inconceivable is the word. Uh, but they imposed that audio over a, a video of a husband doing a project in his house, and it said the word we. I don't think you know what we means when you say we need to do this in our house, or we should really do this. <laughs> Nicole's like, I know full well what we means. It means, uh, yeah, it means Matt in their household. And I just got a good chuckle out of that. And it reminded me of the conversation that we've kind of launched in the last few weeks. Uh, uh, similarly, we're rethinking or looking back at some maybe words or ideas that have been near and dear to our hearts maybe or are new to us, and not that we think that we don't know what they mean or that they haven't had meaning for us before, but we trust that going back to some of these words that Jesus said and some of the phrases he said will bring new and more rich meaning in our relationship with him and make bigger differences in our lives. So, uh, as we have these conversations in the next few weeks, don't think of them as we're going back and trying to rewrite meaning. We're going back and trying to expand our understanding, expand the richness of the words of Jesus. And uh, in the spirit of that, I actually want to go back to the text that we started with tonight and go back uh, to Mark 1.15. These are the first words out of Jesus's mouth. And we're going to go on from there a little bit. Um, but we came here two weeks ago, Christian Ann went somewhere else, and I'm like, you know, in the spirit of what we're trying to do, let's return to this with fresh eyes again and keep asking the question. So 
Uh, if you've got some sort of app or something that gets you access to the Bible in front of you, you can go with me there. But it's a pretty short phrase from Jesus here. And he gives this in the Gospel of Mark is like the first thing he says in his ministry, which is like, uh, if you've read or ever read a paper before, it has a title or an article that has a title that sh shares basically in a nutshell what the story is about. And then you read the rest of it, and the rest of the story demonstrates what it's about. You can see this almost as Jesus's title to his story, what he's here to do. And this is what he says as he's uh, going about his ministry or his first season of ministry. He says, the time has come. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Some translations say the kingdom of God is at hand, like you could reach out and touch it. And he says, repent and believe the good news. That last phrase, good news, is the word gospel that we hear maybe so often in church. And the first Sunday, we went back and thought about all, uh, not all of these words, but some of these words. The first Sunday, we, we focused on the word repent, and we talked about how, in a lot of ways, that word metanoia in the Greek means to change, change your perspective, look at something differently, make change in your life. And I talked about how no significant change in our life happens without significant loss, without us turning from something, leaving something that we might be comfortable with to move towards something that might be unfamiliar. And that's what belief means in this context. The word belief, uh, pistis is the Greek word, doesn't necessarily mean agree, though it doesn't necessarily fully mean agree. It means that. A lot of times when we hear belief, we think, here are a set of statements. Do you believe? Do you agree with those things? It means that. But in this context, in the way that Jesus is using this, it means something much more active, like an active dependence. I heard a, a, a Greek scholar talk about this as when you get on a roller coaster, you grab the roller coaster and you hope to God that the seatbelt is working. That's pistis. That's belief that you're totally relying on something. You're grasping on something, which I think is a great metaphor or a great connection with that translation that the kingdom of God is at hand. And all of this is good news. It's good news. And that word good news is an old term used in Greco-Roman time to announce sometimes big news in society, like headline news. And oftentimes there would be someone, particularly in the Roman Empire, when the Rome was coming in to take over a territory and it was going to totally change the way that people lived, there would be a gospel proclamation. A, a proclamation or a statement about new leadership and new reality coming to town. A new way of being, a new way of relating to each other, a new way of ordering society was about to come to fruition. So by Jesus saying gospel, he's saying nothing less. There is a new reality coming. Change. You might have to change up your life. You might be experiencing, you have to, might have to leave something behind. You have to change up the way that you're living. And you can do that by believing and trusting in me. And then there's that last phrase, the kingdom of God. And I don't know how many more minutes I have left. Not many. But nowhere near the amount to do justice to the phrase, the kingdom of God. But I want to point out that Jesus' gospel the gospel Jesus preached, the good news he talked about, is founded in many ways on himself and this phrase, the kingdom of God. I've been a, a follower of Jesus for a long time, and I still like 
when I say that, when I inquire of that phrase, the kingdom of God, I feel there's always new and fresh meaning for me when I come back to it. So like I said, I'm not going to do justice, but I would like to scratch the surface a little bit tonight to hopefully set up conversation for you all. And a question that I want you to hold in these next few weeks, however long we're in uh, this kind of theme of wondering about Jesus's gospel, is what does he mean by the kingdom of God? And I challenge you, if you've got a Bible at home or something, pick a gospel and look for the phrase, read through it, and look for the phrase, the kingdom of God. And in Matthew, it's the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. And pause in those places and ask, what is Jesus talking about here? What is he trying to convey? N.T. Wright, one of my favorite scholars, puts it this way. He says, or, or let me back up and say, one simple way of understanding what the kingdom of God is, is the king is here and the king is near. The king is here and the king is near. I'm going to ruin the end of the story for you. The king in this kingdom is Jesus. The, uh, that doesn't ruin the end of the story. Hopefully it makes it better for you. Uh, but it's no surprise that Jesus is proclaiming that the kingdom of God is near because he is that king bringing the kingdom of God because he is God enfleshed in a human body. N.T. Wright puts it this way. Gospel is the announcement that everything has changed in the coming of Jesus, and it leads us to a new kind of living. It's a kingdom of God lifestyle. Hold on to that phrase. A kingdom of God lifestyle with an allegiance to a king as an ultimate restorer of our lives. It goes on to, I just want to like point out a couple of th- ways that, God, uh, that Jesus used this with all in the theme, what does he mean by the kingdom of God? And he says uh, in Matthew, when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, how to order their lives actually, and we actually sang a song that has this line in it. He teaches his people to pray, may uh, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And he says things like, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says that after he says, don't worry. What difference does the kingdom of God make in our life? What does a kingdom lifestyle like N.T. Wright actually look like? I was thinking about this earlier, and I had a a bit of a road trip with my four-year-old. And I said, how would I explain this to Daniel? How would I explain something that I've wondered about for a long time to my four-year-old Daniel? And I imagine this conversation with him. I haven't had it yet, so I'll tell you how it goes. I'm going to try it on you all first and see how it goes. But I would say something like this. I would say, Daniel, hold out this hand. And, of course, he'd hold out his little four-year-old hand. Thank you for holding out your hand, Daniel. (laughs) Uh, And I said, Daniel, hold out your other hand. And I would say, this is hard to do with a mic like this, but bear with me. I would say, pretend this hand is heaven, is God's kingdom. The realm and reality where God is king, where his authority makes the ultimate difference in our lives and in reality. And everything is the way that God designed it to be. And in this hand is, the, is earth, is the world that God created, and he created it to be in relationship with him, but at the fall it was separated. And think about the, about the kingdom of God coming near looking like this. And a coming together, a drawing near, an intersectionality. And that's my best way to tell my little four-year-old about the good news of Jesus, is that Jesus is God coming 
to bring heaven, to bring the way things ought to be in connection and concert with the way that they were created to be, with our everyday life, with our world. And our world experiences so much pain. And by God's presence coming near and close to it, God makes the wrong things right in our lives. God brings to bear what he originally designed for us in our own story, but the world around us. The things that we see broken in our own lives, the things that we see broken in the world that long for connection with something greater, Jesus is the one that brings them together. And what it looks like for us to seek the kingdom of God is in the moments when we experience those tensions of earth, to I imagine my four-year-old going like this and saying, I wonder what it looks like for the kingdom to come near. I wonder what it looks like for God's kingdom, his leadership, his power and authority to make the wrong things right, to come to bear on the hard situation that I'm experiencing. Augustine, who's a theologian from a long time ago, who's influenced Western thought, talked about, wrote this big, thick book that I don't recommend for vacation reading, unless you're into that, called The City of God. And he was trying to explain the same thing. And he said, there's two cities that we engage with in our life that we engage with in reality. There's a reality of God's presence trying to break into the world and make the wrong things right. And he said that kingdom is primarily about love and love of other. And he says there's this other kingdom, this other city, that if we don't have the eyes to see, if we don't have Jesus to unlock this for us, will ultimately turn in on of itself and be, a, a, he said, self-love, but what he really means is selfishness. And there's this clenched fistness that happens in our lives. And what Jesus' invitation is when he says, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is near, is to open our lives, to be open to God's presence in our ordinary everyday lives in the hardest moments and the most joyous moments. And to do as I've tried to teach my little four-year-old to do, to say, what does this look like in my life right now? What does heaven invading earth look like in my life right now? And what does it mean for me to trust in Jesus to do that? Another metaphor Jesus gives for the kingdom is a mustard seed that grows into this huge plant. And I found that to be really true in my life when I've come to seasons of my life where I'm full of tension, not knowing what to do, maybe even encountering some of the brokenness of the world, and I look and I say, what would it look like for God's kingdom, God's leadership, God's authority, Jesus to be king in the midst of that situation? The one that's been one of the most influential in my life is that when Christian Ann and I were uh, what I would call dinks, which is double income, no kids, <laughs> having a good time, enjoying life. But the season of life came where we started thinking about what family looked like for us. And it was full of tension, and we were wondering what that would mean for our lives, and we are wondering what it looked like for us to start a family. And we paused, and in so many words went like this, and we said, Jesus, how are you leading us to start a family? And there was a little seed of a calling or an idea that came into our lives, But it wasn't out of nowhere. We had watched people go before us and make the same decision. And the decision was adoption. And we felt very strongly that Jesus was saying, adopt first. And there had been little mustard seeds of that same calling in other people uh, in our community, some of which are in this room who went before us. And that little mustard seed of a voice, adoption first, has sprouted and grown into a little girl who just wants to dance with somebody, if you heard that earlier today. And there's still so much 
pain I experience in the world, there's still so much longing for what can be in her life, but there's still so much that I see of God's leadership in love in my relationship with my daughter. It's growing and blossoming into a tree that is very much a main strand of my life. And that's the kingdom of God. When we have moments in our life where we're willing to pause and say, the kingdom of God is near. I need to stop, look a different way, and reach out because it's at hand and try to grab hold of it and trust that even if it's scary, even if it's a hard decision, even if it costs me something, that God's leadership will bring me through to something that I can't even imagine, a reality that's so right that it will shape my lives. Now, maybe you're not sitting on a decision to adopt, and I'm not forcing anybody to make that decision either. But every day in our life, there's an opportunity to do this and wonder, how can God's kingdom break into my everyday life? And the good news is that Jesus is king, that he's here and he's near. And even if the answer to those wonderings is scary, Jesus' next words in Mark's gospel are, come and follow me. The first uh, week I talked about an extended hand that says, believe and trust in me that I uh, can be with you even in those hard times, even when it costs you something, even when the truth is painful to admit. So I wonder what the difference this might make in your life to look at that and wonder where is God's leadership right now? A question we love to ask is what is God doing and how can we respond? It's another version of that question. So I want to turn it to you all around your tables and just set up a time to say, Man, what difference would this make in my life, this truth of the kingdom of God? If God's reality is really at hand, what difference does that make? Or you can just simply answer the question, what stood out to you in something I said or a scripture that I read or a quote that I read? And let's turn to each other and just talk for a few brief minutes about this and about what difference this might make in our life. Okay?